Hey guys, welcome to another episode of True Crimes and Weird Times. I'm Ashley. And I'm Kim. And if you didn't know, today Netflix released a documentary about a very mysterious case that happened in a hotel notorious for death and murder. And this is one of the first cases that really intrigued me when I was getting into true crime stuff. Mm -hmm. And with it being both true crime and super weird, it seemed like the perfect story for this week's episode. So, without further ado, let's discuss the Cecil Hotel. The Cecil Hotel was built in 1924 by William Banks Hanner, Robert H. Shops, and Charles L. Dix. Construction of this 700-room hotel cost $1.5 million. Like, I've always seen it, but I didn't know it was 700 rooms. 700 rooms, and that's $1.5 million in 1924. Wow. It had like a marble foyer and just, it was beautiful. But unfortunately, it was built right before the Great Depression. Mm. So the businessman that they built it for kind of just fizzled out. Yep. And instead, the hotel and the area around it became known as Skid Row. Oh, I want to sing the song. (laughs) (laughs) And it was home to just thousands of homeless people. And the hotel itself gained a reputation for housing transients and sex workers, criminals. It was just, it was not a good place to be. Yeah. And that's not the only reason it was not a good place to be. Oh, really? This hotel has seen an unbelievable amount of tragedies in its lifetime. And I'm going to tell you about them. A rot. In the 1930s, at least six people committed suicide in the hotel. Yeesh. Two by poison, one from a gunshot to the head, one cut his own throat with a razor, and the rest jumped from the building itself. Which, I mean, it's the Great Depression. People are sad. Yeah. And the hotel's tall. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Then in 1944, 19-year-old Dorothy Jean Purcell was staying in the hotel with her boyfriend, Ben Levine, who was either 38 or 39, depending on the source. Okay, so at least 20-something years older. At at least. (laughs) Yeah, it was a pretty big age gap. I don't know what was going on there, but... It was also... Probably wasn't as strange back then, either. I mean, maybe, but it's 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 the 20s, though. Yeah, well, and it's not now, just for the record. But, like... (laughs) Is the 20... It was 100 years ago, Ashley. Stop it! It was 100... Mm -mm. Years ago. No. That's weird. I just graduated high school last year. There's no way. <laughs> <sighs> so after that depressing fact, let's go into another depressing fact. Yeah. <laughs> so Dorothy Jean Purcell, she was 19, staying with her boyfriend, Ben Levine, who was 38 or 39, much older than her. Mm-hmm. She woke up in the middle of the night in the hotel and she was just having these horrible stomach pains. So she goes to the bathroom to kind of wait it out. And try not to wake up her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Well, while she was in there, much to her surprise, she gave birth to a baby boy. What? Congrats. She had no idea she was even pregnant. Wow. Which blows my mind because. That does always blow my mind that with a TV show. I didn't know I was pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand. Like, I 
my baby moved so much I couldn't even sleep. Oh uh, yeah. So I I don't know. It, well, I would hover over a toilet for nine months. So. Uh, yeah, that too. I mean. But apparently, when the baby is born, she thinks that it's dead. Oh. So she throws it out the hotel window. Wait, what? Onto the roof of the building next door, and it turns out Dorothy was wrong. Oh and no! Her baby had in fact been born alive. <sighs> So Dorothy was charged with murder. Mm-hmm. She was taken to trial, but she actually was found not guilty by reason of insanity and was sent to get treatment at a psychiatric hospital. Wow. That's just, mm. But why throw it either way? I am kind of feeling like it's the 1940s. I know, but. I wonder oh. if maybe she really did know she was pregnant. Yeah. I can, yeah. And just was, you know, kind of like a prom night thing where you <laughs> yeah don't want anyone to find out sorry i wasn't laughing at that it was just yeah yeah it still happens today yeah so i don't know maybe she knew maybe she really didn't well, but still i don't think i would throw my surprise baby out the window whether mm, it was okay or not yeah so that was 1944 we're up to seven deaths already mm-hmm. in 1947 it's rumored Not been proven, Uh, but it is rumored that Elizabeth Short, also known as the Black Dahlia, mm -hmm. was seen drinking at the hotel bar in the days before she was murdered. But like I said, no one's ever proved it. It's just a rumor. She was also known as a party girl. Yeah. So, um, one, it's possible, but two, they could have just been talking. Yeah. In 1962, 65-year-old George Giannini was walking by the Cecil Hotel when he was struck by a falling woman. (laughs) It was 27-year-old Pauline Otten, who had jumped from her ninth floor window after an argument with her estranged husband. Mm -hmm. Both she and George died instantly. That's that's not a solution to an argument. But I also read that when they found George and Pauline on the sidewalk, mm-hmm. they actually thought he had jumped with her. Oh, they yeah, did, I guess it would look that way. Yeah, it took them a while to figure out, like, no, she landed on him. Yeah. Which has got to be just devastating for the family. Gosh. Well, what about the husband? <sighs> I mean, they were estranged, so I don't... Yeah, but still. I didn't get a lot of detail on that, yeah. but even still, like, your wife kills herself and also someone else along yeah. with her... Oh, that's rough. That's that's an odd one. In 1964, <laughs> Pigeon Goldie Osgood was found murdered in her room oh. at the hotel. She was known to feed pigeons nearby, and that's what earned her her nickname, Aww. Pigeon. She was raped, strangled, and stabbed to death in her hotel room Yeesh. at the Cecil, and her case was never solved. And this hotel hasn't just housed tragic deaths... It's also housed some serial killers. Mm-hmm. In the mid-1980s, Richard Ramirez, also known as the Night Stalker, lived on the top floor of the hotel during part of his killing spree. And he would come back to the hotel, take off his bloody clothes, and throw them in the dumpster outside and just walk back to his room mostly naked. And no one would even bat an eye. Well, I mean, look look at... For the area the ha- it was yeah. in, Yeah. It wasn't that strange. Like, he would just throw away his bloody clothes, go back to his room in the hotel. <laughs> no big deal. 
Then later in 1991, Austrian serial killer Jack Unterweger, I hope I'm saying that right, guys, (laughs) also lived in the hotel for a time. They think he killed at least three sex workers while he was in the hotel, but I don't think they've confirmed it. But that's what they think that it was. Wow. It's also the hotel that inspired the series American Horror Story Hotel. Yeah. They based it off the Cecil because look at this history. All these tragedies I've just told you about happened in this hotel in a span of 60 years. Like that's so many. Even some of our haunted houses have not had a backstory like this. So this place has to be haunted. It's got to be. But that's not the end of this tragic history of the hotel. In 2011, the hotel was rebranded as the Stay on Main. And they, you know, refurbished it and they got new owners. They tried to fix it up. But everybody already knew what it was. Pretty much. (laughs) And it didn't last very long. If they gained any traction as a more respectable hotel Mm -hmm. and the tragedies were over, look, no more death here, guys. (laughs) In 2013, the hotel was home to a notorious and extremely mysterious case. It was none other than Elisa Lamb. Ashley is going to tell you all about Elisa Lamb (laughs) right after this quick break. Hey, I'm Rachel. And I'm Grace. If you're listening to this podcast, you'll probably enjoy ours. We're the co-hosts of Myths and Misfortunes, a true crime and paranormal podcast with a bit of history. Each week, we pick somewhere in the world and base our stories on that place and or surrounding areas. We'll cover stories ranging from the well-known Gary Ridgway and Mothman to lesser-known Mark William Hoffman and the Philip Experiment. So if you'd be into all of that, check us out on Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere, really. Ah, yes. Catch us whispering softly outside your bedroom window at 3 a.m. wearing hooded cloaks and pink bunny slippers, chanting to the old gods. No. See you there. Now, like we said, the most infamous of all of the deaths at the Cecil Hotel was that of Elisa Lamb. Probably because there was never any formal closure to that case. And, I mean, just honestly, it was one of the newer cases. And maybe because, you know, the world was able to see the last moments of this woman's life on YouTube. And that only posed more questions. Oh, my God. This video kept me up at night. Mm -hmm. And I will for sure post this because you can't not find it. Now, Lisa was a Canadian student who was going to the University of British Columbia. And it's worth noting that. Elisa had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and depression, and she had been described for like four different medications to treat it. Wilbutrin, Lamictal, Seroquel, and Effexor. Now, even though she was diagnosed with these disorders, her family, who actually had been keeping her mental illness a secret, said that she had no history of suicidal ideations or attempts. But there was a report that claimed that she had gone missing for a brief period earlier in her life yeah if they're already hiding her mental illness i wouldn't totally take them on their word for that there in mid 2010 she began a blog named ether fields where she posted like photos of models fashion photos uh shared accounts of her life and actually discussed her struggle with mental illness 
And in her blog, she mentioned in a January 2012 post that was titled, you're always haunted by the idea that you're wasting your life of a relapse that she had had that had forced her to drop several of her classes. It left her, quote, so utterly directionless and lost. She was worried that her transcript would look suspicious because of so many withdrawals out of classes and that it would affect her being able to attend graduate school. So that kind of gives you an idea of what she was struggling with. What her kind of headspace is. Yeah, where her headspace was. Soon after that, she actually announced that she was abandoning this blog for a Tumblr account, which in 2012, I mean, that's what all the cool kids were doing. Yeah, it was the thing then. Yeah. And her Tumblr account was called Nouvelle Nouveau, which you can actually still find on Tumblr. And I looked it up while I was doing research, but can't really find any posts anymore for some reason it's really odd so it still exists it's just no content right now this mostly consisted again of fashion photos quotes a few posts and leases on words which is pretty standard for a tumblr blog Mm -hmm. and again that kind of gives you an idea of her headspace now in january of 2013 elisa went on a trip to california kind of just traveling around and then she arrived in los angeles on January 26th. Now, during this entire trip through California, Elisa would make sure to contact her family every day. So they were always talking to her. Uh, she would let them know how she was doing, what she did that day, you know, where she was going next, you know, etc. Side note here, I cannot imagine traveling to a strange city all by myself. Yeah, especially like... Maybe I'm a weenie, but... <laughs> or maybe I've watched too many true crime documentaries. But That's probably it. It just seems so terrifying to yeah. me to do that. Even now as an adult, it's just strange. I'd want at least one person with me. Yeah. But maybe that's just me. But, I mean, also... Lots of people love to travel alone. Yeah. I'm just not one of them, I guess. Yeah. I would be looking over my shoulder too much. Mm-hmm. Now, two days after she arrived in L.A., she had checked into the Cecil Hotel, which was by then the stay on Main. She had originally been assigned to a shared room on the fifth floor of the hotel, which is strange. I didn't know... Yeah, I didn't know that was a... Th- Thing. I thought maybe that was a was, hospital thing. Well, uh, well, I thought maybe they had some kind of hostile situation. Oh, maybe. Uh, but I, I'm not sure. I don't know how that works. I've never and heard with, of that. With 700 rooms, you'd think they have plenty, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe it had a cheaper rate. It could have. Yeah, yeah, that could have been it. Yeah. Now, she shared this room on the fifth floor, but she was actually moved into another room on her own after two days because her roommates complained about her odd behavior. I couldn't find out what this odd behavior was, though. So, I mean, if you know, let me know. I don't know. But I couldn't I couldn't find out what she was doing that made them question her. Now, Lisa was scheduled to check out of the Cecil on January 31st. And then she was going to travel to Santa Cruz. However, her parents never heard from her. And then they contacted the LAPD. And then they also flew to L.A. to help search for their daughter. Which, good on them, considering last episode with Brasless. <laughs> right? They flew to L.A., but, you know, they couldn't drive three hours to pick up their son. But that's another tangent. Now, hotel staff said that they had seen her that day and that she was alone. She was by herself. The day she was supposed to check out? Right. Okay. And another person, her name was Katie Orphan, and she was a manager of a bookstore nearby, said that she had also seen her that day, um, outside of the hotel and said that she seemed like outgoing, very lively, very friendly. Elisa had been shopping for gifts to take home to her family 
And she had been talking to Katie about a book she was getting and about whether or not it might be too heavy to carry while she's traveling. So, I mean, she had a, she carried a conversation on. She didn't seem out of the ordinary. She seemed lucid. Yeah, she seemed lucid. And she was clearly planning ahead. Like, she wasn't... Right. She was planning for this trip. She was going to go home. Yeah. Now, police searched the hotel to the extent that they legally could. Like, they searched her room. They had dogs searched through the building, including the rooftop. But the dogs were unsuccessful in finding her scent anywhere in the hotel. However, they couldn't legally search every room. They didn't have probable cause. There was no crime committed that they knew of. She was just missing. Right. So yeah. it's not like they could go knocking on doors to sniff around. By February 6th, the police were having no luck finding Elisa. So they started to bring her disappearance to the public's attention with flyers, using online media to try to get the word out, her picture, so people could see her face. But after another week of no leads on Elisa, police released a video of her last known sighting. Now, this was a surveillance video of Elisa inside one of the Cecil Hotel's elevators. This is the one that's famous. This is the clip that I watched that gave me chills. Yeah. Yep. Now, in the clip, the camera is kind of located in the back so that you can see the inside of the elevator space and the doors and kind of a little bit like into the hallway past the doors but like you can't see left or right you just see right outside the doors and it's not the best camera footage like you can see what's going on but like the video is grainy the timestamp is kind of cut in half you can't see anything uh, and then there's a lot of pixelation at times depending on whether she turns around or not. Like, sometimes it's around her mouth. You can't tell if she's really talking or not. Yeah. Now, you can see Elisa enter the elevator, and she's wearing a red zip-up hoodie, a t-shirt, black shorts, and a pair of sandals. Just, you know, regular stuff. Like comfy just, clothes. Yeah, just comfy clothes. She goes to the control panel, and she actually looks to push several floor buttons rather than just, you know, one. And then she steps back to the corner, like, next to the control panel. Almost like she's hiding. Like she's hiding, yeah. Like it's a weird spot for you. Because when you push a button, you just kind of back up. Right. And that's what she does at first. Yeah. She kind of steps back, but then she moves. Yeah, she backs up into that corner. And the elevator door doesn't close. So... Which is really odd to me watching the video. I just rewatched it with <laughs> yeah. Ashley. And it's like, I can't even get an elevator door to stay open that long when I'm trying to. Yeah. And this one stays open for a solid two minutes. Oh, yeah. Throughout the whole video. Yeah. It never closes. Yeah. It's so strange. I don't know why the elevator doesn't close. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Now, after a few seconds of this door not closing, she steps up to it. She kind of pokes her head out and she looks both directions like she's maybe some something tripped it up or she's looking to see if somebody's out there. I don't know. It's what it looks like to see if somebody's there. Yeah. It looks pretty normal so far. Like, why isn't this door closing? What's yeah. happening? And then she quickly steps back into the back corner over there next to the control panel. Now the door still doesn't close. So she walks up to the door again and she kind of stands in the doorway next to the door and just kind of leaning on the side, like leaning up against the door, which still doesn't seem out of the ordinary. Like maybe someone else will come along and they can get it. Yeah. Or she's just trying to figure out what's going on. I don't know. So after that, she suddenly kind of steps out into the hallway. Then she turns to her side and then like steps back in while looking to that side and then looks back out. It still kind of looks like she's just trying to figure out what's going on. Like, why isn't the door closing? 
Mm-hmm. Now she steps sideways again, like outside, and you're not able to see most of her because she's right next to that wall on the outside of the elevator. But you can see her arm and like her shoulder and part of her head. You can see her right arm go to her head and then she just turns and goes back into the elevator. And when she does this, she goes back to the control panel and like presses more buttons. Sometimes the same button more than once. And then she just walks to the left side wall, kind of where she came from, just kind of standing there waiting for it to close, I guess. Uh, Again, I'm not really sure why why she's pushing all these buttons. Yeah, that's strange. Yeah. Now, at this point, she's kind of putting her hands over. She looks like she's starting to panic a little. Yeah, for sure. She puts her hands over her ears and then backs herself into the wall, like outside of the door. So you can't see what she's doing again. And of course, the door's still not closing. Then she turns to the right and you can see her like rubbing her arms together. She looks like maybe she's counting. She's Um, definitely doing some very strange hand movements yeah and moving her arms in a very unnatural looking way yeah uh she start like her palms are flat out and her fingers are outstretched she's kind of like shaking them around this part kind of looks like she's feeling to see like maybe she's checking the door almost yeah at first it does look like she's maybe there's something blocking the door or something like that but like she's checking the motion sensors or something but like yeah it's still strange and then she's kind of like bowing forward she's rocking a little bit i mean you can't really see what she's doing because she's you're just seeing parts of her body from the camera the rest of her is on the other side of this wall then she finally just backs up against the wall to where you can't see her and then she walks away to her left after that the door finally closes which is really weird it's really strange something i noticed about this video is that she kept putting her back against the wall over and over like she wanted her back against the wall and that's something that i kind of related to with i have a panic Mm -hmm. anxiety disorder Mm -hmm. and occasionally when i will have a panic attack i will position myself to keep my back against a wall at all times when i'm panicking because it just i feel like there could be something behind me. I just got that. Someone's well, watching yeah, me feeling. A... I will like compulsively press my back against a wall mm-hmm. to keep it there. And that's what it reminded me of when she's doing this. Like, I can't let anybody behind me. I have to keep my back yeah. against the wall. Well, and remember, she has bipolar disorder. Right. So... And that's immediately what I thought of. And these attacks can come out of nowhere. You can yeah. be perfectly fine. And then, boom, you're panicking. Yeah. And for absolutely no reason. Uh, just, yeah. It just happens. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's very possible. And that's kind of what it looks like. Like she's at the very beginning. It's like she's backing herself up. She kind of knows like she's not in a good place. And then like once the doors aren't closing, it looks like she's starting to panic a little. So it makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. The longer those doors are open, the more she's panicking. Right. And the more it's probably kind of breaking down in her mind with that disorder and the mental problems. The longer you're in a stressful situation, the worse your mental state's going to get. Now, during... This search for Elisa with the police coming in and they're still looking for her. They've released this video. Now suddenly guests at the hotel begin to complain about like low water pressure in their rooms. Some even say after the fact now. Yeah. Some, <laughs> some people even say that the water came out black or that maybe it had an unusual taste. I heard about them saying it was like odd but sweet. But that again, I, I read that a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So who knows? And then, eventually, 
Elise's body was found on February 19th, 2013, almost a month since she had disappeared. Her body was found in one of the four 1,000-gallon water tanks that provided water to the guest rooms in the kitchen and a coffee shop. Which is just, Ugh. oh God, I cannot even imagine knowing that I had showered in yeah. water that came, that had a dead body soaking yeah. in it. Yeah, this is 20 days of guests coming in and out of this hotel oh my using God. this water. Brushing your teeth Ugh, and just... gross. Oh, that <laughs> also gives me the chills. Yep. Now, the tank was drained of its water and was cut open. It had to be cut open because the maintenance hatch was too small for their equipment to get Elise's body out. So they actually had to cut into the water tank to get her out. Now, fair warning, I'm about to talk about what her body is going to look like after this. So you can maybe, maybe skip ahead a little if you don't want to hear the gory bit, details. Yeah. <laughs> so when they got her body out of this tank, it was moderately decomposed and bloated. So she had been there for a little bit, for sure. It was mostly a greenish color. There was some marbling, which occurs when like certain types of bacteria start to like it's just your body breaking down but right uh, they migrate to the blood vessels it causes them to create this purple greenish tint and it looks a lot like marble yeah so now this is evident on her abdomen and there was some skin separation evident as well oh yeah they didn't find any evidence of like physical trauma sexual assault or suicide and when they found her body it was naked the clothing similar to what she was wearing in that video was floating next to her in the water which is strange that is strange but if she was having some kind of episode maybe she stripped down yeah i mean if she's thinking i'm gonna get in the water i should take my clothes off but then why would you put the clothes in the water yeah exactly when they found her clothing, it was covered with, like, a sand-like particle, which I never heard anything else about again. Maybe there's something in the bottom of the tank. I mean, how often are those cleaned out? Yeah. But uh, I don't know. They also found her watch and her room key with her, but they never found her phone. The toxicology tests were incomplete because not enough of her blood was preserved. I mean, she was in this water and decomposing. However, it did show some traces consistent with prescription medication, which is, she was on four different kinds of medication. Right. That's, that makes sense. Yeah. Which, though, leads me to the question, if she had medication in her system, that means she was taking her medication. Right. But it doesn't doesn't mean she was taking it consistently or the way she should. Right. Oh, and then they also found some non-prescription medication, but it was like, you know, Sanitab or Ibuprofen. So just normal things. And they also found a very, very small quantity of alcohol, a 0.02%, but no other like recreational drugs. The coroner issued a finding of accidental drowning with bipolar disorder as a significant factor. So basically what he's saying is she had an episode and accidentally drowned. Yeah, I mean, she didn't know what she was doing. Yeah, it just, it was a, it was an accident. It m- makes sense until we dig a little further. Right. So here's some issues that we're having. While the investigation determined how she died, it didn't give an explanation as to how she was able to get into the tank at all. The doors and the stairs that accessed the roof were locked and actually needed passcodes and keys that only staff have. And any attempt to force these doors open would have triggered an alarm. That doesn't mean they were closed. 
I mean, maybe somebody needed a smoke break. Left the door propped open. Left the door propped open or something, you know. However, there was a video made from a Chinese user that showed that the roof was actually accessible via the hotel's fire escape. And that could have given her access to the roof. Uh, But who knows about that stuff? She would have had to happen across it. Right. Or but, some, or if somebody told her, maybe she was like, ah, you know, how do I get to the roof? I don't know. But it's very strange. Mm, I couldn't validate that water tank, the water tanks being open. So I'm going to okay. leave that out. Yeah. Now, others wondered if she would have been able to get into the tank by herself But all four of these tanks are four foot by eight foot cylinders that are propped up on concrete blocks. So, like, there's no access to them. And, like, even staff members had to use ladders to get up to it. And these are, like, smooth cylinders, right? There's no grippies that she could have climbed. As far as it looked like, yeah. They're also protected by heavy lids. So, like, she would have had a really hard time opening them. By herself. And she's a small girl, too. Yeah. Or closing them once she's in the tank. That's, yeah, that's one of my things. How full was it? Would she have been able to even reach the lid? Exactly. Would she have been able to pull it back closed from inside the tank? Right. Now, the... Pl- also, police dogs that were searching for her also were up on the roof. And they never picked up any scent around her or... or f- they never picked up any scent of her there or around the tanks. But I don't know if that's so strange with her being in the water. Yeah, as far as not finding her in the water, I don't think it's super strange. But if she had walked around up there, you would, you would think have, the yeah. dogs would pick up that scent. That's true. Well, yeah. I'll but I don't know if it's the same like if someone's carried through a room does it still leave a well that's what i was getting ready to ask and it's outdoors if if she had been out there and hadn't touched anything her scent would have been gone that yeah they also questioned the autopsy report now it doesn't show the results of the fingernail kit or the rape kit that was done on her but it also doesn't show if they'd even been processed Hmm. so So we don't know if, like, they said that there was no, it didn't look like there was any sexual assault. But there's also no results of these tests. Okay. It also records subcutaneous pooling of blood, which is bruising, in Elisa's anal area. Which some say suggests possible sexual assault. But a pathologist also noted that the bruising could have just occurred during bloating while she was decomposing. Yeah, but your body does weird things yeah. while it decomposes. Yeah, it's just in a strange spot. The weirdest part is that after her death, Elisa's Tumblr blog had been updated. Now, if you're not familiar with Tumblr, it does have a queue option where you can set posts up and then they just continuously, like you could set it up. You can for, schedule them. Yeah, you can schedule them three hours apart, whatever. So it's possible that she just set it up to auto-publish. But like I said... Elisa's phone was never found. It was it was not near her body. It wasn't in the room. Police just assumed that it was stolen at or around the time of her death. So nobody's 100% sure if this was like in, these were posts in the queue 
or if someone had stolen the phone or if there was a hacker who had posted these posts on her blog. But it is very strange that it was, you know, after her death. Yeah. And like I said, I went to go find her blog because at one point everything was still up and that was a few years ago, I'm sure. But now there's nothing. You can't tell how consistent her posts were before her death or right up to her death to see. Yeah, if she posted like clockwork every few hours, every few days, whatever. Yeah. Then it'd be easier to kind of get an idea, but we don't know that. Yeah, because what I thought was like, if there was a gap between her death and then the posts pop up, that would seem a little strange. Mm-hmm. Because like, like I said, it's, I don't think you can set it up for a specific time. I think you can set it up within hours. Right. If I remember Tumblr correctly. <laughs> so either way, it's very strange that these posts were up after her death. Of course, after the surveillance footage made its way around the globe, there have been several theories that have popped up to like explain the video or explain her death. One of those said that Elisa was trying to get in the elevator to get away from someone. Maybe that was chasing after her or just following her. Um, some say drugs were to blame. Again, there were no drugs in her system, but they say that maybe she had taken ecstasy or some other party drug that was untraceable in the toxicology report. Plus, her body was in the water for a long time. Exactly. Now, when her bipolar disorder came to light, of course, the biggest theory was that she was just having some kind of psychotic episode, which honestly is possible. It's, it, um, it is what it looks like to me. It's what it looks like. But like I said, and also like you said, I mean, her medication was in her system, but that doesn't mean she was taking it consistently or like she should, or if any of those should have been mixed with alcohol at all. That's also a factor. Yeah. There's a lot of medications that should not be mixed with alcohol. Yeah. And I did not check to see if any of those should have been. And I know especially Wellbutin specifically, it's very time sensitive. So if you mm -hmm. miss... One day, two days even. It's going to affect you. You're going to be down. You're going to have a lot of problems. It's, yep. it's a very time sensitive drug. So if you if you take it at night one day and in the morning the next day and then skip a day, it's not going to be effective. Right. But presumably she'd been dealing with these disorders for a long time. She should know how to take her medicine. I would say so. At least for a year. I didn't see when she was... When she was diagnosed with these disorders, but... But when you're on vacation, you know, you get out of your it routine. It's easy. Yeah, it's easy to get out of your routine. Now, others say that the footage that was posted had been tampered with. They say since the timestamp wasn't visible uh, and that it looked like some parts had been slowed down. And some even say that nearly a minute of footage was missing that they think maybe they're trying to hide something or protect an identity of someone who was in the video. I didn't notice but, any weird jumps or... I didn't notice any times, weird but, jumps, but... Yeah. But if there were, maybe the police were just kind of concealing some information to save just in case. Yeah. Police have to hold some things back yeah. in cases, in every case. Yeah. Now, another one, and it's one of my favorites. <laughs> and if you have watched the Games You Shouldn't Play mini episode on Facebook... If you haven't, you should definitely go check it out. Uh, Ashley does an amazing job on our little mini episodes. Ew, thank you. Uh, I'll pin it to the top this week. But there is a game called The Elevator Game. 
super creepy. If you have time to look it up, look it up at about two in the morning and and then don't sleep the rest of the never night. Sleep. But the theory is that maybe she was playing this elevator game. It kind of explains her pushing a ton of different buttons. That's part of the rules. You have to go to this floor and then this floor and then come back down to this floor. Yada, yada, yada. And it supposedly takes you to another realm. And there's this woman you're not supposed to talk to or look at. And maybe she's running away from this lady. And I mean... It- kind of looks like what she's doing too <laughs> it, i mean it kind of makes sense or even maybe she was having a bit of a of a break of a mental break and, and she read about the elevator mm, game and that's just enough to kind of set her off on yeah. i'm gonna go do this and maybe it felt too real and maybe she it started freaked her out yeah oh that's a good one because i have to be very careful about the things that i read or research late at night Mm -hmm. it'll it'll just you never know what's going to kind of set it off right so yeah maybe she just read the wrong thing at the wrong time that's spooky just in and of itself just the the way your mind works and plays games Mm -hmm. and i mean they're all they're all possibilities nobody really knows i think it's really strange that she was able to get in the water tank by herself And didn't leave a scent and managed to close the door. I don't know. That's just so much. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's just. It's it's really. It's a lot of. And maybe if she is having some kind of episode. I mean. Maybe she has some adrenaline. Yeah. And maybe she'll do some stuff. I mean. I don't know how heavy those lids are. But. I mean. Women are able to lift cars off their kids. Under adrenaline. So maybe. If she is panicking. And she thinks someone's after her. Even if they're not, yeah. she's thinking, I've got to hide somewhere. Yep. And it's possible she did manage to get in the tank and get the door closed. And then she couldn't open it again. Yep. Which and also is terrifying. I wonder, I wonder how cold that water was. Because if she was hitting some, if she's been in there long enough, maybe she was hitting some hypothermia. And yeah. part of that is, part of hypothermia is feeling too hot and she stripped. Yeah, that's also true. That's strange. I mean, we could just go down the rabbit hole with theories for and boy, am I good at it. So let's not do that. (laughs) So that's uh, Lisa Lamb's case. And hopefully, you know, the Netflix documentary sheds a lot more lot. Oh, I'm sure they're going to go into way more detail than we did. You can watch all the videos and everything on there. I'm excited to watch it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be sitting down there with some popcorn. I cannot wait. You don't know how excited I was to hear they're doing it. (laughs) yep this is like i said it's one of those cases i remember reading about it a long time ago and watching that video and just thinking how like creepy it is that things like this can just happen yeah even if it's an accident yeah and people will never know answers and that was one of the first things that was like i need to find more stuff like this yeah because i'm weird like all of you guys that's why we're all here today yeah (laughs) and like you said you know brassless pizza was your case Mm -hmm. this this was the one for me yep this was this was just creepy enough to make me go oh but if you guys have any of your own theories or if you watch the documentary like tell us what you think Mm -hmm. oh i can't wait yeah we're all gonna discuss this please do it also uh you can join us on the new discord server uh, and let's talk about it. Me and Ashley are in there, ready to talk about some <laughs> morbid and creepy stuff. Yes. Also, I would be remiss 
if I did not mention some hauntings at this hotel because this hotel has been shrouded in death and mysterious things literally since it was built yeah for decades a hundred years <laughs> yeah, stop it <laughs> and if there's any place that's haunted it is going to be the cecil hotel i feel like american horror story felt the same way they yeah. were on the right track oh, there. God, yeah now <laughs> i tried researching i've tried to find specific things Mostly it's claims of cold spots and shadowy figures and feelings of being watched, you know. Which is kind of boring. Yeah. There's an image that circulated at one time of one of the hotel windows and a ghostly figure kind of just standing there looking like they're getting ready to jump. And if I can find that, I'll share that with you as well. Uh, Some even say they've seen a woman who looks eerily similar to Elizabeth Short or the Black Dahlia. And... If that's true, then maybe she did have drinks there. Maybe she did. (laughs) Now, the most notable haunting, and I'm putting that in air quotes, (laughs) that I was able to find was on TikTok. And yes, I know TikTok. But But it's still fun to put in. Oh, gosh. Uh, Also, if you didn't know, (laughs) we are also on TikTok. And if you go look at our likes, you can find all the weird things I find there. That seems true crime or weird, Tom. You can also find all of Ashley's amazing videos. <laughs> the most recent one being my favorite of the doing all the hair stuff and I or just, you're getting ready and <laughs> listening to, to the true crime. That was just my normal day. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. It just, it spoke to me. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, but I found a TikTok video or rather I found about three TikTok videos by a user named Pete Montzingo, which he's verified, so you probably know who it is. I'd never heard of him until now. I don't know who he is, but I don't um, TikTok much. Oh, well, yeah. Now, he actually lives across the street from the Cecil. And he's captured some footage of some strange things that, you know, like, even the hotel's, like, closed. I don't know if it was, like, closed for renovations or, like, closed, closed. But, like, there was no one in it at the time. And in the video, you can see, like, this white transparent shape move across the window by the curtains. Uh, and the curtain, I believe, actually even moves. And, I, I mean, whether it's real or not, I don't know how you fake something from across the street. Maybe there was someone, and I don't know. But it looked really creepy at 2 in the morning. So, <laughs> and he actually has a couple of newer ones where he flies a drone across the street to the hotel as well. And... I don't know. Maybe he'll find some more, you know, more notable proof, I guess. Find us some ghosts, Pete. Yes, find us some ghosts, Pete. (laughs) And, I mean, that's about pretty much it. Unless you've heard of some spooky stories from the Cecil. I didn't, actually. (laughs) I found a lot of history, a lot of tragedy. Yeah. But no real ghost stories, you know. Which really stinks, because I thought I would find, like, a ton of stuff. But I also know that uh, the Cecil or the Stay on Main now uh, tries to downplay that too because they're, they're a business. Yeah, it's they're a bit, still trying to run a hotel here. They don't want so. people to come in thinking it's haunted and only coming in for that. And I don't know. I, I would. would. I was going <laughs> to say, I would totally bank on that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Our hotel's haunted. Come check it out. <laughs> come see the ghosts. In fact, if I ever open a hotel, I'm just going to say it's haunted whether it is or not. That's fun. Because you know what? I'll come and help you and I'll be the ghost. Yeah. <laughs> 
We'll set up projectors. You will get your ghost experience, guys. Oh, should we start a bed and breakfast for our podcast? Yes. True Crimes, Weird Times, Bed and Breakfast. Hmm. Stay here and see a ghost, probably. (laughs) Or Ashley. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Like us on Facebook at True Crimes and Weird Times Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at True Crimes, Weird Times. Email us your stories at truecrimesweirdtimes at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Bye.